This is Community Radio, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's Friday, September 2nd, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. I'm Claudio Mendoza. The Sierra foothills will experience enervating triple-digit temperatures this weekend, but nothing like the stifling 127-degree heat recorded on Thursday in Death Valley National Park. The California Report chats with a climatologist about what that feels like before explaining how the Central Valley's only children's hospital is affected by periods of excessively hot weather. The California News Service reports on the conflict between a Canadian gold mining company and conservation groups. And after regional news, Felton Pruitt and Paul Emery rap about Sufi devotional music. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Unsurprisingly, it's going to be pretty toasty in Death Valley. The National Park broke a new record yesterday, hitting 127 degrees in September. And it's expected to stay up there throughout the weekend. Well, the next several days, yes, Death Valley will be in the low 120s, which is fairly abnormal for uh, early September. Low 120 maximums are, are not that uncommon in, in July and August, but early September, that, that is out of the norm. That's climatologist Bill Reed, who tried to describe to me what that feels like. I looked up the uh, antonym of invigorating. and <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the opposite of invigorating. It's, it's kind of like a sapping feeling or draining feeling. You just feel blah, and you just want to find shade and sit and do nothing. And it's just like a you know, being in an oven, having a big heat wall of heat on top of your head. It's kind of hard to explain if you've never been in heat like that, but if you've been to Palm Springs or Vegas in the summer, you, you kind of know. Or the Central Valley. In the Central Valley, blistering heat has made the region's only children's hospital extra busy. KQED reporter Daisy Wynn talked with a trauma nurse in Madeira. Christina Pasma says on hot days, doctors at Valley Children's Hospital admit more kids to the ER. They are seeing lots of patients for a variety of different things, but certainly the heat does contribute to children coming into the hospital. Young kids have more trouble regulating their body temperature than adults do. And they're more susceptible to dehydration because a larger percentage of their weight is water. And so it's much, much easier for a child to become dehydrated earlier than it would be for an adult. So Prolonged exposure outside in the heat can actually be quite dangerous for them. She says heat can also exacerbate existing health conditions like sickle cell disease. She advises caregivers to keep medically fragile kids out of the heat. For the California Report, I'm Daisy Nguyen. Support for the California Report comes from Silicon Valley Community Foundation. Supporting KQED reporting on early childhood policies and practices around the state. Learn more at siliconvalleycf.org. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at SchmidtOcean.org. And in other news, the last days of California's two-year legislative session ended with a flurry of votes this week. One of the bills that did not make it would have ended the practice of transferring non-citizens to immigration custody when they're released from jail or prison. 
KQED's immigration editor Tyke Hendricks has that story. San Francisco State Senator Scott Weiner led the recent push for the Vision Act. He told his colleagues that the state prison system, known by its initials CDCR, is not required by California law to turn immigrants over for deportation after they've served their sentence or been released on parole. We've been asking the administration, CDCR, for years to stop doing this, and they won't. So it's time for the legislature to act. He invoked the case of a Cambodian refugee who came to the U.S. at age four and was paroled from San Quentin after a full rehabilitation, only to be deported last month. But law enforcement groups opposed the bill, and Senator Susan Eggman of Stockton, a fellow Democrat who's from an immigrant family, was not convinced. Our immigration system is broken. It needs to be fixed. I can't do that at my level. I also want to say that I am a a social worker. I believe in redemption. But Eggman says she fears some people released from prison will commit crimes again. She voted for an earlier bill to limit police cooperation with immigration authorities. But on this bill, I, I cannot support it. I supported the Values Act, and I asked for this bill to be narrowed so I could feel better about it. Because at the end of the day, the job I do have is to ensure my community is safe and to do everything I can to ensure the safety of my constituents. Wiener pushed back, pointing to data that shows immigrants actually commit fewer crimes than U.S.-born citizens. And so this whole stereotype that the immigration debate is about crime, that is just, with all respect, not true. And he slammed the prison system for choosing to work with federal agents. CDCR is flipping us the bird with all due respect by saying, we don't care what sentences you, the policymakers, have set. We're going to add on punishment just for the heck of it and get these people deported after they've done their sentence. It's outrageous. Last year, the state assembly resoundingly approved the bill. But when the votes were counted in the Senate, Eggman voted no, nine other Democrats abstained, and the Vision Act came up three votes short. Immigrant advocates vowed to keep fighting to end prison-to-immigration transfers. For the California Report, I'm Tyke Hendricks. And finally, Californians will be able to receive the first updated coronavirus vaccine as soon as next week. KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports. The unique booster is different from any COVID shot you've gotten before. One half is the original shot, and the other half is designed specifically for Omicron subvariants that are still infecting thousands of people every day. There are two options, one made by Pfizer for people as young as 12, and the other by Moderna for adults 18 and older. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky gave the green light, clearing the way for providers to start administering the shots as soon as they receive them. An estimated 7 million people in L.A. County will be eligible. The new boosters come as COVID-19 cases decline in L.A. County, but health officials hope people think about the longer term as we enter the third pandemic winter. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. (laughs) 
And that's the California Report for Friday, September 2nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. Our producers are Amanda Stupai, Holly J. McDeed, and Keith Mizaguchi. Our editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Ki Sung. Our vice president of news is Ethan Toven Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Conservation groups are working to raise awareness about the fight to protect a pristine California desert landscape known for its picturesque views of the Sierra Nevada from development by a Canadian gold mining company. Suzanne Potter of the California News Service has more. Conglomerate Mesa and Centennial Flats are treasured by local tribes and outdoor enthusiasts, but the area is also in the sights of a Canadian gold mining company, which is seeking permission to build roads and drill 30 additional exploration holes for a total of 120. Wendy Schneider, with the group Friends of the Inyo, says the area is part of an important high-desert ecosystem. This area has a thriving and reproducing population of Joshua trees at a time when they are disappearing from Joshua Tree National Park. It has a handful of species of other rare desert plants and is also very important to the area's two tribes, the Lone Pine, Paiute Shoshone, and the Timbisha Shoshone tribes. The area is also a draw for tourists to enjoy the solitude, wildlife viewing, and dark desert skies in the eastern Sierras, alongside the Alabama Hills National Scenic Area, Death Valley, and Mount Whitney. The land is currently managed by the Bureau of Land Management. The Mesa is a haven for eagles, hawks, mountain lions, and deer. Schneider says it has high ecological, recreational, historical, and cultural values, so her group wants local tribes to have a say in how the land is used and ideally protected going forward. It's very important that they be able to carry out the activities that they would like to do, like pinion nut gathering, hunting, and ceremonies you know, on these lands as they always have. Friends of the Inyo's main office is in Bishop, but the group has just opened a satellite office in the town of Lone Pine, which Schneider says will serve as a base of operations for the campaign to save conglomerate Mesa. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. A candidate for Grass Valley City Council is facing accusations that he bit a man on the neck and wielded a knife. Nevada County Superior Court records state that Matthew Coulter faces a felony accusation of battery with serious bodily injury. The accusations stem from a Thursday afternoon incident at a construction site in the 100 block of South Auburn Street. Grass Valley police say he began screaming at workers after he was told it was private property and an active work site. Police say Coulter bit one person on the neck and had a box cutter style knife. Coulter is running against Haven Caravelli and Hillary Hodge for two open seats on the Grass Valley Council and is a regular at local government meetings, often speaking during public comment via telephone. Five restraining order requests have been filed against Coulter since late July, some by elected officials. That story coming from the Union of Grass Valley. The Forest Service announced today that Ongoing drought and hot temperatures have prompted the Tahoe National Forest to increase fire restrictions starting today, September 2nd. 
Under current fire restrictions, the following are prohibited. Building or maintaining a fire, campfire, or charcoal briquette fire outside of established fire rings within designated developed campgrounds and picnic areas. Smoking, except within an enclosed vehicle or building, or a designated campground or recreation area. Using a motor vehicle off paved, gravel, or dirt national forest system roads and trails, except within a designated developed off-highway vehicle area and discharging a firearm, air rifle, or gas gun. Although hunters with a valid hunting license during open hunting season, as specified by the laws of the state of California, are exempted from that restriction. Turning now to regional weather. An extended period of dangerous heat is expected for the Labor Day holiday weekend and into next week, with above-normal temperatures expected to continue each day through the middle of next week, with the most significant heat expected Sunday through Tuesday. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight will be clear with a low around 69. Saturday's high will be near 97 before cooling to 71 on Saturday night. On Sunday, temperatures in the foothills will hit the triple digits with a high near 101 degrees. Particulate AQI in Grass Valley and Nevada City is in the single digits. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 56. Saturday will heat up to a high near 88. Saturday night will bring a low around 55. And Sunday's high will be the same as Saturday's, 88 degrees. The current PM 2.5 AQI in Truckee and the Lake Tahoe area is good, with the majority of sensors there reporting single-digit readings. Listeners in Sacramento and the surrounding valley can expect some relief tonight. The low is expected to dip into the middle 60s before Saturday's high of 103 degrees. Cool temperatures return on Saturday night with a low around 68. Sunday's high will be 106. Sacramento, like our other listening areas, is experiencing relatively low particulate air pollution. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Up next, Felton Pruitt and Paul Emery talk about Fauna Fi Allah. We're talking with Paul Emery. He's putting on Fauna Fi Allah at the Miners Foundry coming up next Wednesday, September 7th. And this is no first go for these guys. You've been bringing these folks to our area for a long time, haven't you, Paul? I have, Felton. Uh, The first time was, uh, oh, I don't know, in the late 00 years, 07, 08, maybe 06. I I don't have the date right in front of me. And they were just really starting to get to get going back in that time. And, um, you know, several times we've had them. Now they're worldwide. And they come from, you know, the origin started on the San Juan Ridge. Why don't you explain to people exactly what kind of music they play? Okay. Um, now, the music is described as Sufi Wali music okay so it's inspired by the sufi culture quality is the musical style it kind of what i know about it and i'm not an expert but the music they play kind of reflects the sufi music of pakistan mostly of what is now pakistan of course you know this this music goes back hundreds of years and it's a it's kind of a unique kind of a unique thing that they do with that music. I mean, unique in that they're representatives of the music. 
and this it started with a small core group um, on the San Juan Ridge in the you know 2001, 2002, 2003, and now they play worldwide. How did you become involved with them? Well, I booked them at the Center for the Arts. How did you find I, them, though? I mean, what just wander, um, wandering around up and down Highway 49 and asking people, do you know any musicians that play Sufi music? <laughs> no. They, they probably came to me. I think I had them as part of a show with another band whose name I can't recall right off the top of my head. But they, you know, they, they were reaching out. They drew a nice crowd. It was wonderful, inspiring music. And then since I've been booking shows at the Nevada Theater for, you know, the last 10, 12 years, I started booking them over there as part of my fall series. That was, you know, maybe about eight years ago or something. I, so I think they've, they've played at the Nevada Theater about six years for about, you know, six different times. And they also played at the uh, Miner's Foundry one time. And this time they were they were touring through and the, the theater wasn't available, and so we we had a great time with them at the Foundry a couple, about three years ago, so we, we're booking it there this time. As I remember, uh, one of the cool things about the show is people come up and toss money at them. It's really fun, and I, that's, part of the, that's part of the tradition of the music in Pakistan to this day, that a, a lot of it is actually... They play out in the streets or they play in outdoor areas just kind of casually with, you know, not so much. They do concerts, too, but not so much as concerts. And they get paid a lot of it by people giving them money. And they do it very conspicuously. It's not like they just slip a dollar in a tip jar or something. They come up to the stage with a handful of dollar bills, in this case, and they throw it up in the air while the band is playing and the ball, the, the money just kind of flutters down onto the stage. <laughs> well, at the, at the end of the night, you literally have to sweep it. There's a big pile of money. Uh, and that's, that's one of the ways that they get paid. Having worked with you in the past, I remember that. And it wasn't just $1 bills either. No. Yeah. A lot of it was $1 bills because people wanted to be impressive with the bulk of what they were yes. <laughs> they were contributing. So it's, it's very interesting. It's very, you know, it's very interesting stuff. It's really inspirational. And I, I kind of equated a lot with gospel music in that to uh, really get inspired by gospel music, you don't necessarily have to be a Christian. You can just hear gospel music and let yourself be inspired by the people that are playing it. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's the same thing with this. Um, you can come and see Fauna Fiala and be very inspired by the music without really having to necessarily be part of the culture of where it comes from. And it's just, that's, you know, it's just, it's just remarkable in that sense. And in this day and age, we can use inspiration, believe me. <laughs> We're talking with Paul Emery. He's putting on Fana Fiala at the Miners Foundry coming up next Wednesday, September 7th. What time does the show get started, Paul? It starts at 7.30. Okay. The show starts at 7.30. Hey, one thing really interesting right now and is there, in, of course, they've been like you know a lot of other performing groups, been pretty well shut down for the last couple of years. But this is part of a world tour, and they've already done the European segment. And now they're doing the American segment. They're playing all up and down the West Coast and on the East Coast as well for a few weeks. And then, they're, then they'll be going 
uh, to Australia, and then they'll be going to the Middle East. And the, they actually play music in Pakistan, which is considering most of them are Americans. It's it's pretty it's pretty amazing, um, and they're really highly regarded over there as you know musicians that carry on the tradition of this music. So if people wanted to get tickets, how would they do that? Um, you can go to my website, paulemrymusic at yahoo.com, and you'll see a, a, a link there to you know buying tickets. And um, We have some reserve seats. Uh, they're kind of going fast, but there's a lot of general admission, and you can come to the door uh, and get a general admission seat. That means it won't be a reserve seat, but you'll get a seat. And there'll, there'll be plenty of seats there, so any of you out there that – are thinking that you know this might sell out or something? Uh, don't don't um, necessarily worry about that. Just come to the door on Wednesday night. So, Paul, tell us a little more about what kind of music you're going to hear when you go see Fanafi Allah at the Miners Foundry next Wednesday. Yeah, they're, they'll be giving a glimpse into the really living musical heart of the Sufi mystics. And with their, you know, with singing choruses, singing from the stage, there'll be about eight people in the group, and, and they'll be playing tabla, and they'll be playing harmonium, and clapping, and this art form of quali music, it, what it does, Felton, is it weaves ancient poetry and intense rhythm with very complex melodies, and so what you're actually doing is you are hearing the words in the language, so you can't really understand it. A very, very ancient Sufi stories. And this, so I encourage anyone that's interested in it to go online and look up Fanafi Allah or go to my website. You can get a link from there. It's very nice and very inspiring and enriching, very enriching. We've been talking with Paul Emery. He's got a great band coming to the Miners Foundry next Wednesday, September 7th. Fanafi Allah. Paul, I'll give him the website one more time. Well, my website is paulemrymusic at yahoo.com. You can buy tickets through there. And if you uh, want to go to their website, which I kind of recommend, uh, just Google this, uh, Fana Fi Allah, three words, F-A-N-N-A-F-I-A-L-L-A-H. And you can you can get to their website and you can see some, um, you see some, some videos of what they do and get get more of an idea of, of what they do. It's, it's really a great, it's a great web, website. We've been talking with Paul Emery. Thanks for chatting with us about the big show next Wednesday with Fana Fi Allah, Paul. Thank you, Felton. Hope to see you there. It'll be like the old days. That's our newscast for September 2nd. KVMR Community Radio is supported by the Nevada City Farmers Market. Saturdays, 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m., Robinson Plaza and Union Street, now through mid-December. Featuring sustainably grown food from local farmers, crafts, artisanal offerings, and live music. EBT accepted. ncfarmersmarket.org. And Milkman Toner Company providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners. Carrying remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support. Serving Northern California counties from San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. MilkmanCompany.com Thanks for listening. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Have a wonderful weekend and a happy Labor Day.